2: Hello. Hello, everybody. This is Gwendolyn, and I'm really happy to be talking to you today. Welcome to The Visual Workplace, where we look at some aspect of letting the workplace speak, of building the operational intelligence of the company, the operational intelligence, into the living landscape of work, and the way we do that is through visual devices. The devices hold the components of our intelligent. Our intelligence embedded into the physical environment through the floors, the benches, the walls, the shelves, the things of work, and then feed us back that information when and as we need it, we pull it to us. The visual workplace is a perfect pull system. We pull the information to us and we act upon it. And we have our behavior, our performance validated. We know that we're doing the right thing because the right thing, the specifications, the timing, the delivery is embedded. We have full information without, without ever opening a binder or, more importantly, without ever asking a question. Hmm? We know the visual workplace is needed because of the number of questions. When the questions disappear, that means the information is somewhere else. And where is it? It's in the living landscape of work. Visual, workplace, visuality, workplace, visuality is in an embedded system, your operational system embedded. It is a powerful, powerful partner on your journey to operational excellence. If you're doing lean, you are doing some degree, some level of visuality because they kind of work hand in hand. But if you do not, Implement visuality separately and intentionally as its own system, you are likely to lose 70 to 80% of its benefit. It is a system, it is the language of your operations embedded into the living landscape of work. So, welcome. And what you get as a result, by the way, is and we have this documented 15 to 30% increase in productivity. You can think of that as throughput but it means that people are able to work more effectively, more efficiently, without using efficiency as a metric. And quality improves on-time delivery, of course. Morale, alignment, all of that, all of those are the domain of visuality. Great, great partner on your operational journey. So today we're going to be continuing our discussion of becoming a leader of improvement, we are focusing on the first set of that, which is the supervisors. We walked you through the nested model last week, which for the supervisor begins with visual displays and then moves to metrics, problem solving, and later on to something called operations roadmap. And that triangle, if you will, or pyramid, is nested on a pyramid for the executive for the executive to become a leader or a better leader through visuality. And the three main tools, the three operational tools for the executive are at the top what's called the house or what I call the operation systems improvement template, but it's the house of a particular nature. We have not begun that work. We're doing this uh, current segment, on supervisors, and we probably have a couple of couple of more segments at least to do on that, and then we'll move to executives. So the first tool is the house, the temple. The second is the X-type matrix, which is my preferred form, and I'll, I'll tell you why when we get there. And the third is the war room, very, very important and very misunderstood. In the war room, we do more than just put things on the wall. We actually drive the corporate intent. So this series, which is going to go on for a while, is about how to create leaders through the principles and practices of visuality. I call it visual leadership, and this, and I also call it becoming a visual leader of improvement because when you use visuality to support your leadership, you have not only the eyesight for improvement, you have the room for improvement. And room or time is the greatest enemy of leadership. There's too much of a squeeze in running a company to actually be able to lead it, or so we think. So let me make a couple of announcements. Um, We uh, are going to be in Oklahoma on May the 14th and 15th, Oklahoma City, sponsored by AME. You can find out about that on our website or on the AME.org website. We will also be in uh, England uh, for two weeks uh, under the auspices of AME to do a um, uh, uh, visual Thinking Seminar and Site Assessment for Hotel Chocolat. Believe me, that place is running with chocolate. I've was, i uh, been there several times and uh, it's an amazing place uh, in terms of sim- simply chocolate. Uh, so we'll be doing that with uh, Hotel Chocolat in Cambridge as our host site. And then uh, the next week we'll be working with the Royal Mail. And those dates will be posted. We just confirmed that yesterday. Those dates will be Posted in the next few days, in case uh, you're listening from England or Europe and you want to come visit us or Romania. Just uh, got an email from a lady in Romania who wants to come to a a seminar. I hope she shows. Uh, And then we're doing our Portland event. Ah, jeepers! I believe the week. uh, Let me check the calendar uh, with Benchmade knife, and that's going to be a three-part. Uh, event beginning with visual thinking and then visual leadership, and then we'll do a visual site assessment of Benchmade, which is a really, really fine company here in Portland, Oregon. They do beautiful, uh, both military and um, gift knives, hunting knives, and things like that. So, um, welcome to the show, and I want to g- begin because there's a lot to cover today. And one of the things uh, that I've decided, we've decided to do next week is to take your emails. We've received many emails with really good questions. I want to t- put a pause in and just address your questions about the model so far. Um, this model has proven to be very, very helpful for companies that are ready for it. But I will tell you, if you have not yet embraced the visual wear, you've got too much chaos on the shop floor Uh, to uh, be able to have your supervisors uh, learn anything new. They're firefighting and struggling with logistics. So you have to have, it's not exactly 5S. It is the second part of 5S, which is what do you do after neat and clean? I've spoken about it for many, many shows. The visual wear, putting the wear in place so that answer is embedded and people can pull um, information material and themselves uh, through the production day through operations. So, uh, so we'll have a, a uh, an email show next week. The. Phone lines will be open for your questions. But I know for some reason you don't call in. I don't get it. I offered you a book, and I will offer a book next week as well if you call in with your questions. But if you don't, don't worry. We've got plenty of emails to go through, and they're grouping in a particular way, and I think you'll find it very interesting. I know that I do. So today we are talking about capturing the supervisor's pain through visual displays. This is a show about visual displays. We set it up last week. I have another really great show from November the 13th, 2012. Great podcast show on visual displays. But in that one, we talked about displays as being the function for doorway number three in my 10 doorway model. Open it and you discover, doorway number three, you discover visual displays and uh, what's called production control boards. Supervisors, managers, schedulers, planners own that doorway. And that was what that show was about. But this one is going to be cast from the point of view of leadership. And I want to say, as I said in the announcement, many people confuse the term visual displays or dashboards with visual management. Or they use the term visual management to mean the full spectrum of visual function that we find in a visual workplace. It's mistaken. Visual management is what we do to manage visually, but we cannot run a company on visual management. We cannot have the full spectrum of functionality through something that's visual management. Visual management has to do with metrics and dashboards. We manage as managers we begin to see or penetrate the uh, penetrate operations by having these visual devices that tell us what's going on. But visual management is not a substitute term for visual workplace. I don't know how that got in the lexicon, but it's time to remove it. If you want to talk about the fuller spectrum, then you talk about the visual work environment, visual workplace. We talk about workplace visuality. These are conceptual. Visual management is a subset and it represents, in terms of function, about 7% of what a visual workplace is. It's important and it's especially important because managers are using it. But it doesn't make it any more powerful. And in fact, in many ways, it only shows you it is not a powerful device. It shows you information. So instead of having to dig for it or having to have a meeting for it, you simply go up to the dashboard and you know things. Information is shared, but not not meaning, not balance, not pacing, not destination. It doesn't drive. Visual management doesn't drive anything. It just shows. And from that point of view, It is very lightly embedded, hardly embedded at all. It is not a building block on which to build your visual workplace. So, what we're going to talk about instead is visual displays, which has a very specific function. Look, you know what I know workplace information changes quickly and often, whether you're in a hospital, assembly line, doesn't matter utilities, open pit mine, it doesn't matter, office. Let's talk about manufacturing environment, product schedules, specification, tooling, parts, methods, and thousands of other details on which the daily life of the enterprise depends. How can a busy, a harried supervisor, a harried manager stay on top of this ever-shifting detail and still make which is part of their job, sound, timely decisions. Sound, timely decision, decisions. In, a, in the broadest sense, leadership is about saying yes to the few and no to the many. That, it, that requires sound, timely information to be able to say yes to the few and wait to the many. It's the same thing for a supervisor. He's got limited resource. She has limited manning, limited supplies, limited time, and she has to make the right decision. That information needs to be at her fingertip. And the place for it is visual displays. The category of visual function that we're focusing on now in terms of a leadership tool. A visual display is a multi-layered format. Multi-layered information in a single interactive place, a format. And the purpose is to help us see and understand complex situations at a glance. To understand a situation's status at a glance. And then, and this is the important part, to take correct, timely, independent action. Independent action. And when we talk about the supervisor's pain, We talk about the supervisor's struggle, okay? And the only way to respond to that struggle is to meet it head on and to ask the supervisor that single driving question that drives all of workplace visuality and drives it for supervisors as well. What do I need to know? What do you need to know Mr. or Miss Supervisor that you don't know right now in order to do your job and in order to gain control over your corner of the world, even when the pressure is on. So we're going into a break, and we will pick this up. I want to say a few more things about displays, what they are, what they aren't, and then we'll go through the nine-step procedure. Okay? So this is a kind of hands-on session. Please follow along, and I'll talk to you again in a moment.
1: From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas and listeners to help you anywhere in the world global reach is broadcast every thursday at 2 p.m eastern time 11 a.m pacific time on the voice america business channel the business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network
2: Hi, welcome back. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth and welcome to the visual workplace. Today we are continuing our understanding, our exploration of visual displays as a tool of visual leadership for supervisors, for supervisors. And we include when we say supervisors, all managers. We, the separation is between supervisors, managers and executives. Different set of tools and Same job description. And that job description is to accomplish the tasks of your position and lead, and lead. And when you get good at this, drive. Supervisors drive, managers drive, executives drive. It's a missing component of so many organizations today where management has taken over the leadership function and uh, managers simply are coping. They are uh, simply dealing with um, daily tasks instead of forging a direction and moving the organization in that direction with a vengeance Mm -hmm. driving. So visual displays are known as the glue that holds an organization together When they are making the transition, when a company is making the transition from traditional operations to the new operations, the new operational excellence, you may call it lean or you may call it simply operational excellence. They're not exactly synonymous, but they're used as though they are. So when we're making the transition from the old way to the new way, visual displays are the glue that holds the company together in manufacturing while it reduces batch sizes and implements pull. Displays are indispensable. And among their remarkable characteristics, visual displays are capable of holding vast amounts of interrelated data in real time for all to see And they enable us to understand the status of a given situation at a glance, make sound decisions, and confidently take timely, appropriate, aligned action, either as an individual or as a team. But we're talking about supervisors now, so we're talking about individuals. If you're not acquainted with this superb functionality, the superb functionality of visual displays, you may question why displays are needed at all. And some of you will point to the computer as the tool of choice, capable of sharing tons of information, tons more information than a display, in fact, and faster and in ever-spiraling layers of complexity. And that, and that is the problem. We know, and that is the problem. The kind of information that is required To make sound decisions is information that has context, that has focus, that has meaning, that has weight. The word I use is valence, that has valence. Anyone who has ever worked with computer-based information has experienced the frequent and shocking fragmentation of information that computers can create instantly. So even though the computer holds all this information, what it does very well is fragment it. And that's a problem. For us to make sound decisions, we need to have wholeness. When meaning devolves into data or data pieces into, minu- into minutiae, right? Data pieces, minutia. It is so hard to get a picture big enough to take appropriate action. Because when we act, we impact everything. Everything is a system. Everything is organic. In manufacturing, you know that very well. You know, a butterfly flaps her wings over there in in stores and you're going to feel it in about an hour and a half over an assembly. (laughs) And what happens when data gets fragmented is that we get paralyzed. We've got too much detail. It chokes the decision making process and too little meaning. We need the context. With a visual display, that visual display is different because, because it is sourced in a single in the answers of a single question. And that single question captures the pain of the supervisor and puts it on display. And that single question is, what do I need to know? What do I need to know that I don't know right now in order to do my work as a supervisor? I need to know this, I need to know that. Your discussion of leadership must include, it must begin with a complete realization that you cannot create leaders without giving them margin without giving them room, breathing room. I'm not talking about positional leadership, people who are appointed as the head of a department, appointed as the leader of the company, the CEO, or of a multinational. Positional leadership comes with enough authority to get things done based almost exclusively on because I said so. That's the nature of positional leadership. It is embedded authority. It comes with the position. President enjoys it, Um, Bill Gates used to enjoy it, the heads, okay, because I said so. Every company has positional leaders. It's called hierarchy, the org chart. And you want those people to be high performing, ace, barracuda leaders, hungry for lunch. And the series that we're in now will help a lot. Will help the executive, the one who already has positional leadership, make them really high performing and help them drive the organization, which right now most of them do not. They do not drive. But for right now, we're focusing on managers and supervisors, and we are using, I will give you ways when we get to executives to create margin for the executives. Take some homework, it doesn't happen by accident, it isn't magic but it does happen. For managers and supervisors, visual displays are the tool that create that margin. Displays hold more than information. They hold meaning, and that meaning is organized around that simple, single question, eye-driven, what do I need to know? What is eating me up? Where is my struggle? What's going to make a difference? I don't need to know everything. I only need to know what I need to know, and unless I do, I can't function. Certainly, I can do something, but not well enough to have the margin to be a leader, to behave differently. Recall our earlier discussion at the start of this series, a couple of shows ago, when we were walking through the seven elements for the supervisors. And those seven elements began in the center, at the heart, which is the word improve. From the very beginning, supervisors who put their foot upon this journey, and usually at the induction of their bosses, they realize that their job description has changed because in the center of their job description is the word improve, the seven elements, right in the center of that hexagon. Improve. And even though they have the same worries and they have to complete the same ton of reports, they still have to manage logistics and firefight. The start is different. We are starting from a center that is called improve. The start has to be activated. We have to find a way to help the supervisor improve. And the first thing we ask them to improve in this leadership model, the one that i am developed and that I'm talking about, is their approach to their own work and so they build a visual display. I've never found a tool that is more powerful in changing supervisors from crazed, harried soldiers of the corporation to leaders. And the single purpose of that display is to get the supervisor the answers they need to do their job as by design purposefully I'm going to walk you through the nine steps of creating a visual display in the next segment but right now I want you to get this leadership in the leadership model visual displays are eye-driven they are the tool they are the thing of the supervisor they are the henchman of the supervisor the weapon They are his or her voice, and they serve his or her interests exclusively. These displays are selfish. They are where the supervisor anchors his or her pain. They are not a dashboard. A dashboard is in the voice of the supervisor's boss, he who must be obeyed. Dashboards are here to stay. They tell us, oh, you know, what are you making Are you ahead of schedule? Are you behind schedule? Are there any particular problems that you're facing? But a display focuses right on the problem and begins to unnest it, what is standing in the way. Dashboards are important. If you don't have one, get one. But they don't function as the display does eye-driven. They do not give the supervisor the needed boost or the needed margin. Same thing with the scheduling board, which people are always thinking about as visual management. Yeah, that is visual management, and it has a very limited use. It's scheduling and all the feeder lines that create on-time delivery. Vastly important and part of the journey, but not a starting point for a change in, supervi- in the supervisor's identity. For starters, we have to give the supervisors an escape route, a way out of their current Dilemma, a way out of New York, if you've ever seen Escape from New York. (laughs) Good dark movie. So we'll pick this up after the break. I have a few more things to say, and then we'll start our nine steps. See you in a moment.
1: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Game-changing technologies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive for a reason. They shake up the status quo. They get you thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow. They move you in amazing new directions. You're invited to take a coffee break with Game Changers on Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time for our special series on today's top big data innovators. Learn about emerging big trends and technologies and how you can grow your business and profit. Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP on the Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to The Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense, with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's toll free, 1 866 472 5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program.
2: So we were saying, Hi, it's Gwendolyn. I'm jumping right back in. <laughs> so we were saying just before the break, here at the visual workplace, where we're talking about visual displays for supervisors as part of their journey to become a leader of, of a visual improvement. I'm sorry, a visual leader of improvement. That to become a leader of improvement, the supervisor needs to have his dose of the elixir, the quantity that is more precious in the workplace than time. What is that? It's control control. The supervisor needs to feel in control. Remember, we spoke of value-add associates operators gaining control of their corner of the world through the visual wear. What happens after neat and clean? Work that makes sense. Supervisors need the same things as do executives. And that's the point. We cannot lead if we do not have the margin to lead. And the funny thing about control is that it feels very much like peace. When you're in control... It feels like peace. It feels like ease. It feels like cool, cool. It feels very JFK, you know, very laid back, or if your preference is G.W. Bush. You're in control. You're commander-in-chief. You make decisions, timely, value-add decisions. That's your job. That's why they pay you the big bucks. You move your ship forward. You are the captain. You're captain of what? Of your value field. Only for a supervisor, it's large or very large. And in the face of so large an area, value field, which is the department, if one is not in control, it really feels safer to stay at your desk. It's an anchor of sorts, but it is not forward moving. So displays create a shift because they provide margin and they give the supervisors, not just the illusion of control, but control, because they know. And you'd be surprised what a supervisor needs to know in order to feel in control. I remember one veteran supervisor of 35 years simply needed to know, has the material arrived, yes or no? That's all. Is it in the department? I asked him, how come only that? He said, because if I know that, I can handle everything else. I got it. But it's that that kills me, that's my pain. Have the purchased parts arrived? Hmm? This is, of course, the the nature of assembly. But could the same concept help you as a supervisor of a nursing station, or accounting, or fabrication, or magnesium pour? Hmm? It could, if that were your need to know. In these and all cases, a place is needed where related data can pool and influence each other so that the big picture, a snapshot of reality, can be seen. And when a company gets a toehold in displays, this is what's so cool, and using it as a leadership lever, then the boards can start talking to each other. The visual display boards can start talking to each other. Fabulous. We'll get to that later. But when they do start, later at another show, when they do start listening to each other, a conversation is set up, visual communication. And you know the old adage, the greatest problem in communication is the illusion that it has occurred, is the illusion that it has occurred. But in visuality, it's physical, so we know it's there. It's physical communication. Okay? So... I want to say one more thing before we we begin the nine steps. Without a display that captures the latest set of data points in real time, supervisors, managers, are in a constant state of alert and alarm because one of those elements may or may not be tipping in an, an unfavorable direction. And they have no idea which or when or how or how they're going to respond when it actually happens. They're out of control. Supervisors are supposed to know everything and yet they cannot. They are defeated before they begin. Managers are supposed to know everything and what they don't know, they turn to supervisors to supply. You see the catch there? Especially in a traditional setting, the truth is one of the most elusive elements of the work environment. Look as you might, you cannot find it, not the whole truth. You may see it moving across the distant horizon, but as you move towards it, it moves away or disappears. The visual workplace on a very broad, broad level is about making the truth, the truth, making the truth, Ruth, (laughs) hold still long enough. For us to see it, assess it, make a sound decision, and then take timely, appropriate action. Okay, let's walk through the nine steps. So, here's the way that I do it. First of all, I have the senior manager, the champion if there is one. There usually is, uh, because we've usually been working with the company for a number of months, maybe even a year, helping them get the visual wear in place. But about two or three months in that, we can begin with supervisors. Two or three months into a visual wear conversion, we can begin with supervisors. We have a relationship. And we ask the ranking side executive to make an announcement like this at the beginning. Let's say there are 22 supervisors in the room. Hello, everybody. Here are the ground rules. You're here to learn how to build a visual display for yourself so that you can help your area perform better, more effectively, and so that you can perform more effectively. Here are the ground rules. You can work alone or with one other person, but you cannot work in a team. You can work with one other person. If for some reason you want to work with three, you need to get the instructor's permission. She'll make that decision, and I'll stand by it. The second, there are 22 of you here. I want to see at least 15 displays, and they cannot look the same. They have to look different. I want these displays to be, and you're familiar with the language, eye-driven. I want them to come from you. And I will be back tomorrow afternoon, I beg your pardon, tomorrow morning, to, uh, for you to show me your displays. And usually the way it runs is we spend about four hours, we then spend four hours instructing people in displays and into the kind of principles that we've been talking about and showing lots and lots and lots and lots of examples so people get it, they get the visual impact. And then after about four hours, somewhere around 1130 noon, right after lunch perhaps, people begin to construct their displays and they sit alone for the most part. Most people choose to sit alone because they have to get into the question that has been nipping at their kneel, at their heels for years. What do I need to know? And how can I get that information I need to know when I need it, as I need it, timely, complete, accurate? How can I get that into a format? And when it comes time for them to construct their displays oh, and by the way they construct their displays they kind of finish it up the next morning and then they present their display the senior uh, side executive is in the room along with maybe his direct reports her direct reports and people go around the room and show their displays and it becomes very clear that there is an opportunity for these displays to talk to each other and for there to be a single network of communication and performance that connects this plant, this environment. So we begin by asking folks to sit, and, they're, and even if they're sitting with a partner. For example, I remember the two people from purchasing wanted to work together because they were supporting the shop floor, and they wanted to sit together and come up with a display that, su- that answered their need to know in support of the shop floor. But it was still their need to know. We let them sit together. Even though they're sitting together, they work on each assignment alone because we want to have the benefit of the two minds and not of the two minds reaching consensus prematurely. And if you set people together, they're going to feel uncomfortable. Uh, um, I beg your pardon, if you set people together, they're going to feel a real need to kind of uh, blend. Even though there can be discussion in advance and um, after, when people actually work on the physical part of the display, we want them to have their own pencil, their own paper, and their own quiet space to sort things out in. So we begin by saying, what we want you to do to begin with is just make a list of three or four conditions or situations in your that you're responsible for that are confused, or where you feel frustration, or where there are displays, or where there are many, many questions, most of which are never answered or cannot be answered. Look for things that are chronic and complex and costly. It might be related to quality or productivity, or lead time, or anything of that sort. Bad communication, bad information, incomplete information, and just make a list. I'd like you to work separately to begin with so that you enter into this world, and don't be afraid if your mind is blank to begin with. If it is blank, I'll come over and uh, try to trigger some thinking with you with some coaching questions. But what I don't want you to do is um, talk. If you have a partner, talk with your partner, and come with a, a blended, a blended um, condition. I want you to feel. I want you to find the conditions that aggravate you, that upset you, and so they work on this. Something that really grips you. They come up with two or three or four, and then we say, "Okay, choose one." Choose one. Talk to your partner now and see what they chose. But I, you know what, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to just walk through this solo because i much rather people work solo. It becomes less than i driven if there are yous involved. Okay. So now, it's very, very simple. Choose one of those that you have, um, that you have listed, the one that grips you the most, And then describe in a little bit more detail what that dilemma is, why that is so vexing. You're going to choose a target condition and you're going to write a few more words about it. You're going to embellish it a bit so you know what's eating your lunch, so you know what your pain is. Okay, we're going to come back after the break. See you in a minute.
1: America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program.
2: Hi, welcome back. This is Gwendolyn. And we are in the process of walking through a multi-step process for creating a visual display. It's pretty straightforward, but I've broken it into discrete kind of turning points, little milestones. The first is to name the problem. What is it that's causing you pain? And describe it. What is it? The first step was to list some conditions and then, that's number one, then number two, really choose one of those and develop it. What kinds of frustrations, what kinds of mistakes, waste does this condition cause you? Describe your experience, your struggle, name your pain, describe your dilemma. Describe it. That's going to be the focus of your display, something that's eating your lunch. The third step is to identify your need to know. That is, and you're working alone, what do you not know related to that problem? Information you want to know but just can't seem to get. And if it were at your fingertips, what, in, what information would really, really help you to prevent or eliminate the problem, to prevent the pain? What do you need to know? What do you want to know? It doesn't matter if it's a need in your eyes or a want. Go the distance. I want this. I want to know this. This would be so helpful. I need it. I need it because I want it. Do that. And then I, so identify your need to know and then identify who has the information. Identify who has that information. Where does that information come from? I want it to be a person. That's number four. I want it to be a person. Who knows that information? Because maybe you can see where I'm going on this later on. If that person, also knows about displays, they can make a a display that is information that they share. They'll make that display for you so you can pull that information to you as you need it, or they'll become a participant in your display and update it with their information so that you get it. Once you understand your need to know with some granularity what I want you to do next is to decide, I'm sorry, to design your display. And that display will be designed on a piece of paper with a lot of post its, many colors, many shapes and sizes. Just invest in the post its. I know they're expensive, they're horribly expensive. When you think that you spend $25 on something that has moving parts and functions for you, called an appliance, and you spend $5 on little pieces of paper with gum on it, it really makes you wonder where we're going in this world. <laughs> anyway, invest into the displays, different colors, different sizes. It's important. Have a piece of paper, and what I want you to do on that piece of paper is to think of it in any shape you like. It can be long and narrow vertically. It can be long and narrow horizontally it can have little uh, components little buckets around it where things are stored shape it any way you like make the shape serve your purposes work solo as you design this format even if you're with someone else believe me you're going to learn so much from their perspective once you have captured yours do not try to do this As a a team, these steps are to be done separately. And if you're working with somebody else, then you share what you've discovered on your own. Then you get something that is robust and that both of you own. But again, I want you to think of this as solo. Design your displays through Post-its. Displays have nine traits. We have not gone through these. But they all mean something separately. And in the training People use this as a guide, you know, is my display. And so I'm going to give you those nine traits. Relevant, timely, correct, precise, complete, up-to-date, centralized, interactive, self-explaining. Those nine characteristics. And you, you, you just work those characteristics and see how many you can get into your display because you want a robust display. You do it on paper, You create a legend, you create an owner who is usually you, on the legend you explain very simply how it works, but you also, somewhere on your display, you indicate when the display will be updated and by whom. When, that means how often. For example, this display is updated twice a day at 7 a.m. and at 3.30 by Mary Ann. If she's not available, then Paul does it. If you have a second shift, you're going to update the display for a second shift or you're going to have a second shift display that is separate, depending on what kind of work you're doing. And what hap- And then you present your displays to the next day so you can see how these displays start working with each other and your senior manager is there because he needs, she needs to get the message about how this is liberating your time even though it took time to create, how this is going to help you perform more highly and give you the margin you need to become a leader. And then you build the display. After you present it, you actually build it, you put it in place, you test it, you refine it. And what I like to see is a visual workplace, a visual displays coordinator who is using the nine traits to help people make their displays more robust, a coach. We have a little format for that where they coach and they grade and they say, look, you've got eight out of the nine or you've got six out of the nine. I don't really think you need number seven, but you need to get this other one this missing one, number three and number six. A coach who is helping these displays become very robust but then also connecting them on a macro level. Visual displays, their purpose is to create margin inside. Margin inside the supervisor so that supervisor can make the shift and become a leader. You can't change roles without making space for the change. And displays are that. And they're powerful, powerful tools for giving supervisors the one thing they ask for and the one thing they can't seem to get, which is control over their corner of the world. Is it too much to ask for a little control? Yes, it's far too much. (laughs) Not in this company, not now. But let's start moving towards that. And so, you know, whenever you do displays, the model is always the same. You always do an A-cycle you try it out with three, four, five. You have to be pretty strong. If I'm on site, then yeah, I can take on all the supervisors you have and we can get them going at once. But if it's yourself, experiment with these, with these displays. And you know what you'll find? The need to know turns into the need to share. Whenever you embed the information you need to know. It automatically helps somebody else and becomes a very, very nice service to others because the information is shared with them as well on these public displays. We'll say much more about this next week. We've got already a lot of email questions. The lines will be opened. Send your emails also this week. We're going to put the show together in the next three or four days and it'll be a mail back. It'll be a mailbag show. I had a wonderful time with you today. I hope you found this helpful, and uh, we'll see what your questions lead us, where where your questions lead us next week. Thank you. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth trying to get my mouth working, and I'll see you next week. I'm signing off now. Thank you.
1: We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galesworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening.
0: Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel.